Hi, I'm Amber. And we're here on a Thursday night. Yep. Yeah, just... Just hanging around home. What else is there to do? I mean, (laughs) really should not... There shouldn't be anything else to do, to be totally honest, but... I just kind of gave up hope. I'm just... We we just don't do anything anymore. We don't even. There's no date night. There's no you know leisurely walk downtown. It's nothing. If we yeah. go around the block, it's like a good day. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, I, I um, yeah, I also I too. Well, I don't have any dates, but I don't do shit because yeah what what am i supposed to do i feel like if i do anything i'm gonna catch covid at this point because it's just so reckless yeah it's ridiculous i just refuse (laughs) like i just refuse to die (laughs) like so so yeah i yeah we we actually had a covid scare um through the weekend and beginning of this week um one of my partner's co-workers uh, tested positive so they closed the facility down for a couple days to deep clean it and then they made all the guys go and get tested um, luckily Jonas came back negative so that's great um, <clears throat> but yeah I don't know it's just it was that was enough for me to be like no not good yeah no I'm all the ideas I had oh well next month we could well no I'm not doing it I, there's yeah. no point of dreaming yeah, like I said yeah. last time, like this year it's just a wash. But it's yeah. okay. It's okay. There's plenty of stuff to do indoors and hopefully most other people think the same. I mean, it's pretty obvious those people who can't seem to occupy themselves at home for more than a few hours because they're always going out causing trouble and not wearing masks. But that's a separate discussion. We will we will have our our Karen episode at one point, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I, I think we could. I I could do a lot of damage with that. Yeah, we can Karen's totally talk about Karens and white femininity, because yeah, I have a lot of thoughts on that too. Not not even just white femininity, but like just white males trying to impose their stance and being on other people that don't look like them. It's yeah, just that too. It's yeah. endless. Yeah. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Honestly, this week hasn't been that bad. Okay. Well, that's good. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, nothing new has really happened. Oh, I did go for a. Um, I had to go to LabCorp because I had to get some blood drawn for work. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Which, that's going to be my what's got you hot, because... <laughs> that probably made you nervous as hell. <laughs> because... Like, all these damn <laughs> surfaces and shit around me. <laughs> like, I just... Uh, I think the whole concept is stupid, but... Because yeah. you also don't even really know why those people are in there, too. Like, the that person too. sitting, you know, two seats over from you could be there getting a cheap COVID test, but you're there just to get blood work. And then someone else so, could be getting a pregnancy test and, you know, all kinds of craziness. Yeah, that's true. I think 
from what I've read, at least at the location that I went to for um, for LabCorp, they only did antibody tests. They weren't mm-hmm. doing tests for people who actively have COVID. Okay. So, so, so that's good. But yeah, no, my, my what's got you hot is the reason why is it's the reason why I had to go to LabCorp in oh, okay. the first place. Yeah. So but we'll, 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 we'll get okay. into that later, but. Oh gosh. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So. Uh, okay. Yeah. Well, what do you want to talk about? Yeah. So our discussion today, I feel like I, I need like a transitional like sound for like our, tri- for our discussion, like our main portion of our segment. I'm going to find one. Maybe I might be too lazy when I'm editing. But um, today we're going to start our probably very multiple discussions on personal finance. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been, um, Amber's been like super excited to talk about personal finance because when Absolutely. we first started <laughs> the podcast, that was something that I had brought up, one of the topics that we wanted to talk about. And... Not that I'm not interested in personal finance. Um, I am. Like, I, I actually probably do a lot more things than the average person, especially the quote-unquote millennial. And and even just in general, like, as Americans, like, I probably do a lot more than most Americans do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably set up. Not to, like, pat myself on the back or anything, or I'm, like, making money moves like that, but, like, I, excuse me, um, and I think you are also the same way, so, but, yeah, I just, I want it to be as responsible as possible with this conversation, especially because we're both black women who are professionals, and with our with our jobs we do have a lot of privilege comparatively to like the average black person like statistically in this country Mm -hmm. where because of the privilege that we have I just want to make sure that we take personal finance in the black community as seriously as possible and make sure that we're discussing it with nuance because every because not everyone can listen to personal finance advice and do what the people say that they can't you know what to do and stuff like that because a not everyone makes enough money to save like period Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like not enough people in this country make enough money to save even a hundred dollars in their savings account right uh so there is so there's a lot of privilege in that people living paycheck to paycheck. There's a lot of debt, whether that's credit card debt, student loan debt, auto debt, medical debt. Like, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of that around. So, and then also financial literacy is a privilege. Oh, man. That's... A lot of... Yeah. You know, like, especially in um, POC communities, that's not there for us. Um it's not readily available because a lot of us don't know or don't have a history in having wealth period. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it tends to be more so white people having 
the advantage in all of that. So, yeah. And financial literacy is, is something that I, I really pay attention to. And I think it, I mean, it's really like the key. I I feel like in the U S that's the key to bringing most people out of their situations. Maybe not, not in their lifetime, but generationally, Mm-hmm. just teaching and starting the habit of financial literacy, whether it's in, you know, schools or at home or, you know, just even making the conversation about money more comfortable than it seems to be for most people. That's yeah. the key to bringing people out from where they are, because you, I mean, you, you, you do what you know, right? Unless you yeah. feel so compelled to learn something new yourself, you're going to do what you know. And I feel like with most kids, like if they see their parents spending whatever they want, whenever they want, or they see their parents struggling constantly, they might think that that's how it's always going to be for them. They might always think that they're going to struggle with money because they don't have a choice. Or they might think that they're always going to need to buy the newest, greatest thing because that's what they learned, right? Or that's, that's what makes sense to them because that's what they grew up around. So I think... You know, one thing that I just, every time I think back to my schooling days, I just really think the number one thing that, there's two things I think we really missed out on. One was like financial literacy courses being taught probably from beginning of high school onwards. As soon as you get to working age, you should be picking up on on certain things, Mm -hmm. even if it's just basic stuff. And then the other thing being just life skills, how to pay a bill, how to write a check, you know? what 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 do you need to do when you're moving out and getting your own place and just stuff so it's like it doesn't always fall on your parents to teach you and then by proxy it's not up to your parents to teach you the way that makes sense to them right so like in in my case my family uh, we grew up middle class we had issues with money in multiple different time periods where things were hard and we had to you know my parents we're both not working at one point or we had to live in you know a very cramped small apartment with the five of us and you know things like that happened but for the most part money wasn't too much of an issue especially when I got older like in middle school high school age after that point things were much easier but at the same time I didn't learn any of the right things I should have learned until right around college time and it's not Mm -hmm. I'm not really gonna blame my parents for that because they it just wasn't something that was on their radar they didn't you know they were just like oh don't spend all your paycheck okay you got your first job don't spend all your paycheck that that was the extent of it oh okay you need to write a check here I'll just write it for you you know yeah same so and then I you know you get to, to college or whatever you get to you know your adult age and you get all this shit thrown at you and what are you supposed to do, right? You're going to go back to what you know. You're going to call your parents or you're going to call your close friends or, you know, your grandparents or something and ask them what they do. And it, mm-hmm. it just, the cycle continues, right? So by teaching the the right few ways to do something early on, not only do you get to make your own choices because you know you have choice, but you're also, you know, learning those skills so it becomes a no-brainer. So things like saving, putting aside your paycheck and not spending it all on fast food and shit like that, like I did, it, it's not a thing. So yeah. That's my yeah. little mini rant to start, I guess. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I will say, like, I did, um, I guess, 
Amber brought up a little bit of her background, but like same, mine was very similar. Um, I think up until the age of like eight, we were, I don't, we were poor to low, uh, poor to lower middle class. And then we came to Virginia and we were like definitely on like the lower middle class side. Mm -hmm. And then my parents bought a house um, in 09. Um, And because they had been like hustling and stuff like that. And so that was like right before I went to high school. And then like pretty much throughout high school, we were definitely creeping into that middle middle class and then now my parents are definitely more in the middle middle class almost like high middle like is upper, it high middle class middle. or regular middle class it's <laughs> like upper, upper yeah like class. upper middle class. yeah that's middle. the word yeah mm-hmm. like cl- creeping into that upper middle class middle class level yeah. now and so I because of that privilege because of because of that I have the privilege to be starting off kind of like lower middle class like Mm -hmm. and even though like I'm quote-unquote lower middle class I feel I'm pretty I feel pretty comfortable also I have the privilege of being single I'm young kids yeah like I don't have any kids I don't have to pay student loans right now like so that's kind of like a little bit of my like financial background right there and like and in that like you know we and also I make a decent amount of money I guess like I can save a good amount of my paycheck Mm -hmm. um you know I can pay my rent and bills without any trouble like so And I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. So because of these, because of these factors that I have in my life, and also I have a pretty good foundation to fall back on if something was to, Jesus, sorry, if something was to happen to me, like, I have somewhere to go. Like, I have my parents and, like, family to fall back on if something were to happen. Right. So, and a lot of people don't have that. Mm Mm-hmm. So, these are, like, the privileges that, like, I was kind of talking about in the beginning that, like, I know that I have and I want to be cognizant of when we're talking about um, personal finance, especially in the black community and as black women, because a lot of people in our a lot of a lot of, I was going to say a lot of people in our group don't have those same privileges that we do. Right. And but, so yeah. But also yeah, like you know, I still want to talk about these things and talk about what we're doing so when people who are listening come to that when they get to that point it's not a secret or like it's not a like oh like you know it's not a bunch of white dudes like talking in the void you have like brown and black faces talking about it as well and females talking about it as well because representation is extremely important Mm -hmm. and I know for me I just don't 
when I listened to personal finance, it, when I first started, it was really hard for me to listen to it because the jargon that everyone uses oh, and yeah. no one's defining stuff. And I'm just like, can you make this beginner friendly? Right. Like, right. I don't know what a fucking ETF is. I don't know what a mutual <laughs> fund is. Yeah. I don't know what yeah. the stock market is. I don't know what investing is because investing is such a broad term. Mm-hmm. Like, I just... Can someone break it down for the stupid people? I, I, I'm not stupid, but I'm just saying, like, you know, just break it down into regular common terms and stop, like, because once you start using those kinds of, once you start using those kinds of words, it gets lost and people get turned off. And I think that's why, why a lot of people don't like fi- personal finance because people just be using big ass oh, yeah. words for no fucking yeah. reason. But yeah. also, then I found people that I like that look like me or I can relate to that talk about personal finance and it made me more interested in it. So for today, we're going to talk about, I wanted to touch on, you know, like racism in finance to like give kind of like a, put a macro lens on finance for people of color and for black people and how it you know and what how the numbers correlate to um and compare to like our white counterparts and then also like talk about what we're doing for personal in our like every in our 2020 personal finance and you know in future episodes we're definitely going to talk more about how we invest and things like that but I want this episode to be kind of like more of an introduction beginner like a intro intro into like kind of like the nuances of what we're going to be talking about because there is going to be a lot of nuance in especially in the future episodes when we talk about certain things so Mm -hmm. So, um, I took some notes, um, I have a lot of notes here. I've been, like, (laughs) loving taking notes recently, which is interesting, because I'm in school and I hate taking notes, but anyway, um, (laughs) so I was, it's funny how all this aligned, because I don't remember, we, I don't remember when I texted you about, like, when, about this topic, like, what we were going to talk about this week. I um I think it was like Sunday or something like that. I texted you. Yeah, it was you. like a few days ago. And then on like Monday or Tuesday, I was on YouTube and one of my favorite um personal finance um YouTube channels posted a video on racism in finance. And I was like, "Oh, really? Oh my god, how did this align? <laughs> <laughs> this is crazy." So they had like all the numbers and all that stuff, and I was like, "You know what?" I'm honestly just pulling all of their information and putting it into this podcast. Sure. I will link their um, video in the description notes so you can go straight to it. But I'm pulling a lot of their numbers because they did um, all of the research. What's their channel? Just so we can have a point of reference. The channel is called The Financial Diet. And I absolutely love them. It's ran by two white women. Which, Chelsea, which normally I'm like, mm, but um, 
the main one of the main um hosts chelsea fagan she's amazing like she be ripping into white people and i love it i am 100 percent here for it i don't trust a lot of white people but i trust her like she she and like and the fact that like they had an entire video on like racism and finance which no one ever talks about especially white people is like phenomenal and like i think she's like 20 she's she's i think she's older than us by like a couple years and like the financial diet is like her she it's a blog and a youtube channel and they also do um i think it's like weekly podcasts with like other women um and it's called like the financial confessions it's really great um they also have a book i think and called the financial diet it's a really great great resource especially if you're a woman who's looking into talking about finance because they're millennials and they like really break it down they make it digestible and super easy so i highly recommend um checking out their chan their youtube channel but i will also put the um the link to the video in the description notes so look in there and you can watch the video but and the way she talks about like i highly suggest white people watch it as well like it specifically white people need to watch this video but because i just love the way she rips into white people it's it's great it's fantastic but um but yeah so yeah this video was like the uh, seven things i think it's like seven things that are like racist and like personal finance or something like that in America or whatever. And so I'm gonna go through some facts, figures, and honestly, I was like mind blown by the figures of just like how disproportionate like everything is. Like, you know, like it's just, you know, we know it's disproportionate, but like. Just to see the numbers, I was like, mm-hmm. what the fuck? So, um, the median wealth... Like huh? I just said it'd be like that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. So, the median wealth for all Americans is just over $84,000. The median wealth for white... The median wealth for black families is 3000 $557, which is only oh. 2% of white families' median wealth. Wow. Yeah. So, this is just... We don't have... We don't hold any wealth in this country because of just the discrimin- the decades and centuries of discriminatory discriminatory practices that have affected like black families. Like so, so when you say wealth, though, what what are you referring to? Just for, so it's so it's most it likely property. Terms. Okay, assets yeah. and yeah, what you own, like, what 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 I guess um, what you have to your name, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where there's cash, a car, mm -hmm. your house that you own, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay. So, and in this country, wealth is mostly calculated by property. Right. How much land you own, houses, whatever. It's, well, the house is tied to the land, but 
same difference. So, um, so, you know, personal finance is really about the ability to make choices, which is a huge privilege because a lot of black families do not have that privilege. We just weren't afforded that. There are are historical policies and practices that have and still hinder black people from gaining wealth. You know, slavery didn't end discrimination against black people. White people love (laughs) to talk about, oh, but slavery ended like so long ago. Yeah, but we still discriminated against. And so we can't hold wealth. Um, One of the famous ways was voter suppression. Mm -hmm. We can't vote. So we can't put people into place to have um, to fight against policies that are against us. Yeah. So that was a very great way of like keeping us down. Um, another fact and figure is forty four percent of Black families own a home, compared to seventy one point nine percent for white families. Out of the national average of people who own homes, which is 63.7%. 63 I will point, yeah. I will say that number surprises me. It's it's higher than I thought it would be. And I think that's a really good thing. But it's yeah. still too low. Like, it's... Yeah. You know, one only one of, out of every two people actually own the property they live on. Mm-hmm. You're, the other half of people are giving their money up to someone else who is just letting them be there if that makes sense you know yeah, some right. other yeah person or agency is is gracing them with shelter yeah which what the fuck but anyway so another way that black people were kept out of um attaining wealth is redlining yeah. which is the practice of banks denying people overwhelmingly black and latinos mortgages or loans to help them buy a home lenders would outline in red in neighborhoods deemed to be at risk of default and refuse to lend mm-hmm. to people within those neighborhoods and this was supported by the federal government mm-hmm. so and Obviously, as you can tell, those red line neighborhoods were black and Latino neighborhoods. So, um, banks that are, and then banks that lend loans to black and Latinos, um, they get, um, those loans have higher interest rates and fees compared to their white counterparts. So, if you were getting a loan, it was higher. Your, fee, your interest rate and your fees were higher, which it makes it harder for you to pay off those loans. It takes you much longer to pay off those loans. So, um, okay, I said that. Um, black people are rejected um, for loans at 24%, out of 24% rate. So 24%, 24% of people are, black people are getting rejected for loans. And mm. it's the main issue, the main um, reason is due to insufficient credit history, credit. which is an issue of banks not extending credit to black people. Right. It's circular. Yeah. 
So, black people can't get a loan. If they get a loan, the interest rate is high, the fees are high, can't pay it back. Like, it's just... All these things are... Com- these are compounded issues. hmm So, they also said in 2013... of white homeowners had mortgage rates under 5%. 83% of Asian homeowners had mortgage rates under 5%. 33% of black homeowners had mortgage rates under 5%. Wow. Yeah, and this is in 2013. Yeah. So... Now we're going to move on into student debt, our favorite topic Uh for millennials. (laughs) So on average, go ahead. (laughs) I was just thinking about that movie Friday where every time Debo comes around the corner, it's like music starts up. They go, oh shit, it's Debo. (laughs) You know, and he comes up to just terrorize you. That's how I feel every time someone says student debt. I just get this like impending doom. Yeah. (laughs) So some facts and figures. Here we go. (laughs) The average national student debt is twenty one thousand. For black men, it's twenty six thousand, and for black women, it's thirty thousand. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And then black families with student loan debt is at a forty two percent rate. Or is at 42%. And then white families with student loan debt is 34%. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just showing, again, lack of generational wealth. White Students from white families, they tend to have someone giving them money to go to school. They're inheriting money. Or they have money in the house that they can, you know, give to their children because they had lower mortgage rates and you know they were getting real good loans and real good jobs and their you know their median wealth was tends to be higher so them being able to build wealth was a lot easier versus black people we can't even own homes and in the homes that we owned, it was still stressful because we couldn't make enough money to pay the mortgage and things of this nature. Ugh, and don't get me started on the whole, uh, what is it called? The gentrification situation. Because that's like also, un- that's the other end of the spectrum. But well, it's not the it's tied to this, but yeah. Um so I'm trying to pick up my thoughts. Okay. So then also black high school students don't have access to college credit opportunities such as AP, IB, um like the high school community college pr- um programs and things like that. Um, because their schools are underfunded because, um, funding typically, school funding typically goes to, it depends on your neighborhood. 
So if your neighborhood has a higher value, aka the homes and the property are at a higher value, they you get more funding there versus if your housing properties are at a lower value, you tend to be your schools tend to be lower funded and you see that in lots of neighborhoods across the country where white neighborhoods and white schools ha- get tons more funding than black high schools and black you know black schools and yep. in black neighborhoods mm-hmm. so it could, it could literally be the case of the next neighborhood over yes having half as much of the opportunity and money as the other place yes so so and because of the lack of funding there are no there is no opportunity for these kids to have ap and ib courses and right all these ways to get college credit to go to college so this is part of these compounding issues on top of that um and then you know so your black students i know this was I was privileged enough to go to a high school that had AP and IB classes, so I am part of this um, 23% of students. So 40% of white students take AP and IB classes, and 23% of um, black students take AP or have access to AP and IB, IB classes, and I was part of that 20%. I went to a school that had AP and IB classes. Yeah. Even though my school was in a more predominant, predominantly black city and black neighborhood. Um, I forgot what my other point was. Oh, okay. So black students, they're going into, you know, they're being told like, hey, to get out of your quote unquote situation, you need to go to college. But they don't have the same opportunities going into college that everyone else does. They don't have someone, they don't have an opportunity to get college credit to go to college. So they don't have to spend as much money in college. They don't have anyone paying or having, you know, some sort of money to go to college because college in America is exorbitantly expensive. So then now they're taking out loans and we talked about the student loan debt and how black people just we have to take loans out for the most part so there's that and then now it's like okay now we need a job to pay off the loans people of color earn less than white people the median the median income for white people I think this is per month. I will add an edit if it's not per month, but I think this is per month. For white people, it's 900... No. I think... It's either per month or per week. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sorry. Let's see. What's the number? And then we can... But it's $976. For black people, it's $756. And for Latinos, it's $714. Okay. 
Yeah, I think that's 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 probably like I think that's per week. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's probably gross, you know, without taxes and everything like that, just from wages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because if you think there's so many high earners, that has to bring the average up more than you would, you know, assume initially. Yeah. So in the top percent of earners, white people, the top 10% of earners for white people, they make one hundred and seventeen thousand dollars nine hundred and eighty six i said that weird but one hundred and seventeen thousand nine hundred and eighty six dollars for the top ten percent of black earners it's sixty thousand five hundred and two dollars wow really yes really yes Is that, that even wow. half? That's a little more than half. Just barely half. Yeah. That that number right there puts a lot into perspective for me. Yep. So if you're making in the 60 or close to 60,000 range, you're in the even even if you're making like 50 or 40, you're probably in like the top 20. 25 30 wow percent for black people i'm talking about black people (laughs) like what the fuck and then comparatively to the white number like yeah when i told you these numbers like blew my mind that that one hit me hard yeah the median income for white people is so I just talked about the top 10% of earners, but this is the median income now, which is for white people, it's $71,000. And for black people, it's $41,000. So that is what we have to look forward to when we're going, looking for jobs now. Yeah. Now we have to like pay these student loans back and literally our student loans are just as much as our pay <laughs> like that we make a year like on top of yeah like, that's without taxes and everything yeah. taken out so really if you're you know if you're making fifty thousand dollars you got to take almost a third of that off the top for taxes yeah almost a third i mean it depends where you are but generally it's at least 25 percent just in yeah. taxes then you tack on your health insurance and any other things and it yeah brings it up to you not really bringing home that much at the end of the day yeah no and then you have to live off of the rest of that and pay your student mm-hmm. loans back mm-hmm. yeah okay so um unemployment for white people is at 12.4 percent and for black people it's 16.8 percent so is this for um is this current for like covid um I think it seems so. a bit high yeah yeah i think so because I, w- I would say typically it's probably closer to uh, probably like under 10 percent. yeah typically so because the national average before all this was it was low it was, was like four or five percent mm. i'm not sure I'll, I'll have to look that up but yeah i think it was pretty low and now it's you know probably like 10 percent yeah 
So, and honestly, you know, this comes with lack of representation in hiring and in the executive level, to be totally honest. Like, we're not getting hired because they quote-unquote... Because, honestly, for the most part, people typically hire people that they see themselves in. And white people don't see themselves in black people, so... Hmm. There's that. (laughs) Um, For black women... Black women earn 66% of what white women, white men earn. Uh, wow. Yeah. So I think it was like, I think in their numbers, it was like, white if white men earn like 55K, black women earn like 36K. Yeah, so if you think of a job that's yeah. worth $100,000, that white guy is making $100,000 and you're getting paid $66,000 for yeah. that same job, same skills. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. And then I think it's poignant to like talk about especially for us specifically to talk about the numbers for black women because a, we're both black women, but also black women do get the short end of the stick in all of this. We are at yeah. the absolute bottom in, honestly, almost everything, or pretty much everything, <laughs> but um, especially when it comes to finance and jobs and job security, we tend to be at the, at the bottom. Um, so... White women, the percentage of white women living in poverty is at 9%. The percentage of black women living in poverty is 20%. Like, it is, it is crazy. It's insane. And just to, like, kind of round up this facts and figures, (laughs) um, something that they did talk about that I thought was, like, very um important to discuss is that especially for black women black women tend to work service jobs which and domestic and um work in domestic roles which entail nursing and you know um senior and disabled care Mm -hmm. and those um roles tend to be undervalued so because black women are working them and so they are underfunded they are the people who don't make the money that they should be making and also going back to when slavery ended and black people were treated as second-class citizens we were not getting white-collar jobs We were getting the shit jobs that no one wanted to work and we had to work them because we were not we were not given the ability to work regular jobs. So we were getting shit jobs because we were treated as second class citizens. And honestly, we still are. So this is you know, this is what I was talking about, like the nuance of personal finance and 
these numbers show that we don't have any wealth. And so for us, um, it's hard to talk about, um, it's hard to give and it's hard to take advice about personal finance when you don't have the means to do anything because you don't make enough money to do anything. So you're talking about steps two, three, and four, and you're just trying to get to step one. Yeah. Just trying to get to step one. Yeah. So people are, I hate like all these people who are always talking about like, Oh, like you need to stop buying the Starbucks. Bruh. I don't even go to Starbucks. <laughs> like, like, well, like, I mean, that's I can't the thing, though. The people it. that they're, t- the audience they're talking to is very specific. That's working class people yeah. that have that extra income. Mm-hmm. They're like, you just need to cut out the extra stuff. You're not talking to the mom with four kids on welfare that's trying mm-hmm. to make sure her kids can go to college and be comfortable and have money for clothes and yeah. books and food right and mm-hmm. a place to stay and all that stuff those those are the people that that need to be spoken to and so getting them to step one which is really just getting them to the point where they're no longer having to work paycheck to paycheck is the, typically the hardest part mm-hmm. you know and i've noticed that for a lot of people once they're able to get there you don't need to tell them that they don't need to spend on starbucks and stuff if they're coming from nothing and mm-hmm. they finally get something mm-hmm. they're not i guarantee eight times out of ten at least they're not going to be those people yeah. that are having problems with exorbitant spending yeah. on things like coffee and you know uh meals out with coworkers mm-hmm. and stuff like that they're they're yeah. not they're like oh my god i can get a brand new mattress for the first time mm-hmm. you know like shit like that so it as much as it pains me to watch and listen and read about that kind of stuff where it's like well first thing you got to do is cut out your extra expenses i i can't do that without thinking of just how many people can't even get to that point mm-hmm Every expense is a necessary expense when you're paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And if it's not, you're you're lying about it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, those numbers, that that, that really hurts to, to hear those numbers. I knew it was bad, but some of that stuff, like the, you know, the, the pay, you know, the wage gap between white men and, and black women, that, that shit hurts. Yeah. That hurts. And that's how you you keep a person down mm-hmm. when all they want to do is move up. Yeah. Right. So when I see stuff like I look on LinkedIn and I see that black lady that just finished law school and, you know, it's going to work for some big law firm and, you know, or the black doctor who just finished medical school and they're, you know, going to be a heart surgeon and stuff like that. I can't, you can't help but, but stop and, and admire them because there's mm-hmm. so much, that you have to go through regardless of how they grow up grew up they it's it's like what mo- a lot of people are saying these days you can't shed your skin to be somebody else you yeah. are black yeah and you get treated as such mm-hmm. so even if they were you know affluent to begin with and they had all these opportunities and stuff to someone that doesn't know them they're just some black chick mm-hmm. or some black man yeah they're they're not the the accolades and 
accomplishments and stuff that they are, you know, if they're someone else. Yeah. Right. So, so I can't help but, but be proud of my people when I do see that stuff. But, but then you have to think about how many other people, how many millions and millions of other people aren't even anywhere close to that and think that they can't ever get to that or their kids can't get to that, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so many people who could have been them, but can't because of racism. Well, yeah, and not even that. It just you know they think that their their kids can't have it either, so they yeah. don't even they kind of give up. I mean, you know, for all those families that are like, you can do what you want. You just got to study. You got to get out of this neighborhood. You got to get out of the city. You know, whatever. That's great. But then there's so many other parents and you know people that just kind of give up. Yeah. Because it's like, this is all we know. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah, to that point, like, you know, it. I understand why. And I that's why I have so much empathy for black people. Because it's so hard to be black. It's just so hard. And it will break you. Mm -hmm. And it's broken a lot of us. And I think extending that grace to each other and being like and I think we do that a lot anyway but you know extending that grace to each other and being like yeah this shit is hard like just because you know someone else's do had done it doesn't mean that you know you can't do it but also it doesn't mean that you have to do it that way yeah you got to do it in your own way and figure out what works for you and you know Mm -hmm. You know, I agree. Like, anytime I see black people thriving, I'm like, yes. Especially black women. Like, I'm like, hell yeah. Hell fucking yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. So, yeah, I totally. But on that depressing note. um, <laughs> um, So, now with COVID and... I wanted to touch on this because it's just current and relevant and talking about, we don't have to go in depth into like our finances or everything, but yeah, we I think can more so like, another, another yeah, episode. I think more so um, like how things have changed for mm-hmm. you and kind of like what the rest of the, what the rest of the year for you is probably going to look like. So, I mean, I can, I can start. Um, Okay. I, so I think during COVID, it was like a lot of me, um, I wasn't really freaking out because right when COVID hit, I actually got a pretty big um, bonus check. So I was able to funnel that all into like my emergency savings and I was kind of like building my emergency saving. I was like almost at the end of like building up my emergency savings. And um and then I was kind of sitting like fairly comfortably and I was like, "Oh, like I'm going to save up for a house." I was like, I'm not going to go anywhere or do anything, so I'm going to save up for a house for, like, the next two years or something like that. And then my car broke down Mm -hmm. in the middle of a fucking pandemic. 
And so I had to buy a new car, which I had to take money out of um, my emergency fund and, you know, put that towards like a down payment. So currently I'm in the process of rebuilding my emergency. I didn't take a ton out of my emergency fund, but I have to like now rebuild my emergency fund and I have a plan and I'm on track to hopefully fit full finish fully funding that by comfortably by the end of this year and um I'm just saving as much as possible I don't think I'm gonna buy a house anymore just because I have Hmm. other things that I kind of want to focus on first and plus like we'll get into this on another episode but I don't know if I really want to buy a house in general but I know there's like benefits and all that stuff but for my it's not for everyone yeah for for my personality and my the lifestyle that I want to have that's uh, the key it's the lifestyle yeah I'm not 100% sure if I want a house so um or like a, a permanent home Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I'm trying to think. Yeah, for the future, honestly, I'm just going to be still saving. I'm still contributing, contributing to retirement funds. Um, and it's at a lower rate (laughs) but um but I'm still contributing every month to them or to at least one of them I'm still obviously contributing to my 401k because that just comes out of my paycheck automatically and yeah it's just honestly about saving right now and I think right now is a perfect time if you have the ability to save to just save and invest as much as possible um and get all your ducks in a row so Mm -hmm. yeah and wash your damn hands and don't go outside but yeah so what about you what is your current semi-future okay so i guess i'll backtrack as well like you did um before covid i was we were in a decent place so if any of our listeners remember um I lived in the Bay Area, and I had my job there, based there. Um, I had newly moved there, so I was still kind of getting settled in um, over the winter. And my partner and I were actually, um, we had just, <laughs> I just crack up every time I think about this, but we had just booked a, a vacation overseas. We were going to go to Japan for a couple weeks. And so before March, we were saving up for that. We were planning all that stuff. We were getting the bookings and everything squared away. And then by the time March came around and California shut down, um, I pretty much knew that that wasn't going to happen. So fast forward a couple months in, we're, you know, pretty much in quarantine the whole rest of the time that we're in the Bay Area. I moved um, just a couple months ago. But so obviously we canceled the trip and then my partner stepped away from his job and that was kind of like a turning point in our finances because we were pretty i I wouldn't say we were like we were good we weren't good but we were comfortable if that makes sense like we weren't like without worries but we um for the expenses that we did have we were okay with it 
and yeah. you know the money that we did have left over at the end of the month it wasn't too much but it was enough that you know of course if we had some sort of emergency pop up we could handle it mm-hmm. so once my partner stepped away from his job um i was supporting us solely on our income and that's where it got a little strained uh it was rough because our rent was super high and even though we lived in a tiny like i don't think it was like 450 square feet some something around there um even though we lived in a pretty small apartment and a not so great neighborhood we were still it, it was pretty rough so um i was able to convince my employer and my bosses to let me transfer to a different city a lower cost city um to be back closer with family and you know we were, we were kind of going through some stuff so it made sense for us to come back to where our family was and focus on that and so i was you know i've been extremely grateful in the fact that they didn't hesitate and they supported me and my partner and let us move and i got to keep my salary so with all that being said things are much better here financially and mentally even and even physically i've been working on some things and you know trying to get in better shape and just take better care of myself so that everything else seems to fall in place better um but yeah so my my partner was able to find work pretty quickly once we got back here um and i've been able to work remote and keep my same job duties and and everything like that is it's been going pretty well even though i'm still kind of frustrated with certain things that happen or whatever but for the most part everything's good financially so what did happen was while we were kind of wrapping things up in the bay area i had to foot the bill for the moving expenses and everything because my partner wasn't working and i didn't have a problem with that but it did take a lot of steam out of the <laughs> you know out of the train i guess if you if you want to use that sort of metaphor so um that's i'm kind of in the same spot as celeste i'm trying to rebuild my savings and you know kind of restructure things so i think for the rest of the year my main goal is paying down debt um i unfortunately have amassed quite a bit of debt just in the last five years or so um since you know getting to the point of leaving college between student loans and other things so trying to work on paying that down more you know doing some damage especially right now where we're not traveling we're not um going out to eat every weekend i mean we're you know doing takeout and stuff but that's even not that often we cook most meals um you know things like that so just really trying to focus on just knocking down debt and and even like celeste said just slowly building back investments and savings and things like that so eventually i think by the end of the year i'll be back in a comfortable state where i can keep doing more damage but for right now the focus is paying off debt <laughs> so yeah. so yeah that, i mean that's it's it's pretty boring we can like so i said we can go into detail in another episode i would love to do that because i love talking about personal finance it's actually one of my hobbies um but i like to talk to people that are also interested in it otherwise i bore them to tears so so we'll we'll probably try to dedicate another episode just to like the specifics and yeah. maybe even starting with basics and talking about some methods that we use for things like budgeting and you know making payments mm-hmm. and investing like Celeste mentioned as well. So 
so yeah, I definitely um, am trying to, you know, keep the focus on just staying comfortable and and making good choices. Uh, but for the most part, I, I really can't complain. It, it Again, it's like Celeste said, we're, we're both very privileged to be in the position we're in. And I don't plan on changing that if I have the power to. So that's where we're at. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that wraps that our segment up really nicely. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you guys have any questions or suggestions on um, what you guys want to hear from us specifically on um, like personal finance or anything like that, you can email us at um the slight sarcasm podcast at gmail.com and or you can message us on ig on instagram and um um yeah and we can potentially discuss any other things even though we 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 don't get any emails now but if you want to (laughs) you the (laughs) options there I'm going to get so excited when we finally get some sort of message from somebody. Like, oh, oh my God, the listeners are real. The numbers aren't fake. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not just our family and friends. I know. Right. <laughs> my friends are always like, oh, I love that episode. I'm like, that's great. I need, I need some outsiders, though. Like, I know you're going to listen to it. I love you for it. But I yeah. need some new people popping in to make it a little exciting. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, you you almost got away with not mentioning what happened at the testing center. I'm probably gonna piss her off all over again. What at Lab Court? You said it was your what's got you hot. Oh yeah, I mean we're not at that. <laughs> we I was gonna lead into the what's got you hot. Oh sorry, I thought you were wrapping <laughs> it up. That's our next segment, Amber. I my mom told me to call her, so I'm like I gotta I gotta wrap this up. Oh, oh, you know Jesus. she don't like to be held held up. Uh, give like fifteen <laughs> minutes. It's fine. Okay, so our next segment is what's got you hot since Amber rudely, so rudely. I was not rude. Introduced it. What's okay. got you hot? <laughs> Do you have one this week? <laughs> no, I wanted to hear your story. Oh, I mean. I feel okay. Well, I guess this is the second week in a row where, or second episode in a row where I only have a what's got you hot. It's fine. Um. Anyway, well, let's hear yours first. <laughs> I'll I'll think of one. <laughs> okay, so my what's got me hot this week is um, also Q Amber's beautiful singing voice. What's got you hot? Um. <laughs> it sounds better with the auto tune. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So today I had to go to LabCorp because I had to do a health check for my health insurance, which let's just start there. Why the fuck do I have to need to do, why do I have to do a health check for health insurance? Aren't I a living being? Don't I deserve health insurance? What the actual fuck? And then also, so they do the health check. They take your, they do your BMI, which is your height and your weight and your waist or whatever, whatever other bullshit BM, BMI is bullshit. We all know this by now. And then they take your blood and they test, I don't know what the fuck they test for. Drugs. 
and um, they they also test if you're like a smoker, so that's a ding against you. If your if your BMI yep. is too high, that's a ding against you. And if you don't hit, and then it gets all tallied up in this like percentage, and then you take a survey, a personal survey or whatever, I guess on your activity and shit like that. I'd be lying on that shit because what the actual fuck, and <laughs> so. Then all these results get tallied up and put into a percentage. And if you don't hit 70% or higher, you don't get the preferred rate, which is the lowest rate. And then it goes up from there. This is the fucking bullshit that I'd be talking about. Why? Also, also, that is already fucked up. But then also, we're in the middle of a fucking pandemic. Now, they want to email us in june talking about how we need to everyone needs to try to go to lab core because you know coronavirus and i'm like how about we just not do the screening and y'all just roll over our fucking rates from last year what the fuck is wrong with y'all why can't y'all do better like are you fucking kidding me right now like this is some bullshit if you actually cared about our health and actually cared about our well-being we wouldn't be doing this shit just roll over the fucking rates like i don't where what is the problem you still gonna pay the exact same kind of money like this is some bull fucking shit so now i gotta go print some shit off to take to fucking lab core i gotta schedule some appointment they're like you can't walk in you need to make an appointment i'm like i bet like that's fine <laughs> now i gotta and then talk about something you have to fast <laughs> what so i'm just like so fucking tired i'm so i'm so i was just like so fucking pissed i'm like why this is some bull fucking shit this is some bullshit over some fucking healthcare. That's not even that great. Like, are you kidding me? Like, I'm just so, I'm so, I'm so tired of the actual bullshit. All y'all could have done this year was rolled over the fucking rates. It's corona fucking virus. I should not be going outside to go to no goddamn health facility with a bunch of other people who may or may not be wearing masks for them to go take my fucking blood. Like, what is wrong with y'all like y'all have no regard or no empathy for nobody but yourselves not even yourself for money for money like fuck y'all fuck this bullshit i cannot wait to have a job where i have to do no fucking health screening why do i need to do a health screening for health insurance what the fuck is this shit like i just don't understand why do why do you need to know what my health look like that hold is up, between me and my primary primary care physician what the fuck is wrong with y'all i'm about i'm about to piss her off real bad because <laughs> i have to do a health screening too but it's optional and if you do you can, you get money off every month from your health insurance bill <laughs> i saved 30 dollars a month <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I get to save a few hundred dollars a year, bet. And I just, they were like, you kind of fast. I was like, okay, I do that anyway. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Ooh, that was the what's got you out for both of us for sure. That was good. <laughs> oh god, I'm dying. Like, I just. So. <laughs> fuck. On that note. All them. <laughs> god. 
like uh oh that that has been a what's got you hot got what's got me hot for like since like i want to say may april or may i've been like really annoyed by this and this is not the first time i got it off my chest but and it probably won't be the last time because i'm still pretty it's it's the stupidest thing in the world but yeah anyway let's wrap it up before she has a fit again <laughs> that was hilarious okay next i swear next episode i'm gonna have a good one it's gonna be monumental because now i gotta make up for it <laughs> oh, oh my god okay well yeah <laughs> I'm glad that made you crack up. I can't even do it. Oh my God, I can't do the outro. Okay, well, if you made it through Celeste's rant. <laughs> Don't forget you. to email us at the slight sarcasm podcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments. Um, even if you just want to tell her to calm down, but it's okay by me. Maybe not her, but me. Um, but yeah, fine. please <laughs> send us emails. Uh, hit follow us up us. on Instagram. Yep, yeah, Twitter. follow us on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, anyways, thank you everyone for tuning in again. Um, this was like sarcasm podcast. I'm Amber. I'm Celeste. And yeah, we'll uh, look forward to having you guys with us in the next episode. Thank you. Bye. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk her off the ledge. She's about to go ramble on something. <laughs>